Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. Today, we're going to be responding to a TikTok video that makes the claim that Christian theology, and specifically the doctrine of original sin, is toxic. So this is one of the main reasons people give for deconstructing their faith, toxic theology. So we combed through TikTok, so you don't have to, to find the best example. And we've got a good one for you today. And it basically, we're going to be asking the question, is the doctrine of original sin, the idea that humans are inherently sinful, any different than domestic abuse. So TikTokers and other social media evangelists everywhere are making this claim. But first, announcements and our unshaken tips of the week. Well, we are so excited that this Saturday, which is January 28th, will be our first ever Unshaken conference. And if you missed it in our prior episodes, the conference will feature Elisa, Frank Turek, and myself. And we're just going to be helping equip Christians to live for Jesus in this world that is so increasingly at odds with biblical Christianity. We will have three more locations this year, if you don't happen to be in the Dayton area. We'll be in Southern California on May 6th, Nashville on November 4th, and another location that we're almost ready to announce, so stay tuned tuned for that. Those tickets are not yet on sale, but we will be telling you all about that in coming weeks. So if you are near Dayton, it's not too late to get tickets. You need to know that there are still some available. So just go to unshakenconference.com for all the info. Well, my tip of the week is to remember that people who condemn Christianity often don't truly understand what the Bible actually teaches. So it's really easy to hear a clip like the one that we'll talk about today and maybe just shake your head thinking that the person is either trying to be deceptive or they're just trying to gain a lot of views or trying to gain followers, those kind of things. Maybe they're just trying to be generally hostile. We can tend to think in those ways. But if you remember that in all likelihood, they truly don't understand what the Bible teaches and any mischaracterizations are because of that, it will allow you to react with much more grace. That's really good. And and my tip of the week is when we're talking about TikTok videos and different skeptical claims against Christianity, there's really a difference between the what and the how. And here's what I mean. What Natasha and I are doing are helping you discern through and analyze some of the claims being made in the videos, how we can engage with those claims. What is the truth? Uh, that's, you know, what's the, what's the truth of the matter? But that's different than the how. And the how is how you're going to take that truth and engage with the people in your life who are in deconstruction. So when people are in deconstruction, as you'll see, the impetus to disconnect from their church families and even even their biological families is really strong because they're not necessarily assessing theological claims based on what is actually true or what reflects reality. Rather, they're assessing theological claims based on what they think is harmful or abusive or toxic to them based on their own personal moral compass or or personal conscience or feelings. And so when we're engaging with people in our lives who are in deconstruction, 
there could be just a very fragile window of opportunity to just stay in their life. So maybe the first step is not necessarily to try to fix their theology over a coffee date, but cry with those who cry, mourn with those who mourn, maybe listen, try to remain in their lives and live the peace and beauty of the gospel in front of them and let them see that peace lived out in your life. And then maybe down the road, you can go a bit further and engage in more conversations. But the what is different than the how. Such a good point. Thanks, Elisa. So, okay, we mentioned that we would respond to a TikTok video claiming that the idea of original sin is toxic and even abusive. And we do want to be clear that the reason we're doing this is not to make fun of anyone, not to put anyone down, not to give some kind of sarcastic hot take that wins the internet. We know that your social media feeds are full of media like this. And so we're just trying to help you discern it for yourself and bring clarity to the confusion from a biblical perspective. So this particular TikTok that we're going to look at has close to 900,000 views and over 230,000 likes. Let that sink in for a minute. Mm. That's, That's enormous. And it doesn't get like that unless people are really resonating with the ideas. So you have to remember that as you hear it. These ideas are so widespread. So what you're about to here is a hypothetical conversation between a non-believer and a Christian. So it's one girl who's doing both of these voices. And so the first voice that you're going to hear is the non-believer, and then you'll hear the response of the quote-unquote Christian, and then back to the non-believer. So take a listen. So in abusive relationships, the abuser will break down the victim's self-worth and self-esteem and make them feel broken and worthless without them, so they'll be dependent on the abuser. Yeah, that's really horrible that people do that. Right? So then when a church teaches you that you're born broken and a sinner and worthy of eternal punishment, it's true. We're all sinners unworthy of what Jesus did for us. I'm going to start from the beginning. You let me know where I lost you. So obviously that is rhetorically very powerful, right? The comparison of the the abuser basically putting someone down, trying to control them, creating a need so that the abuse victim will feel like they need the abuser. And so I think we just have to appreciate for a moment that that does really appeal to emotions. It presents a really compelling false comparison. And it's also short enough to really prevent anyone from analyzing it too deeply or thoughtfully. And so is this teaching of original sin, is that equivalent to what an abuser does? So I think the first thing I just would want to think about is I think truth is what makes the difference between it being abusive or not abusive. So imagine a scenario in which someone recognizes that, um, you know, a particular person is quote unquote broken. And then that you, you walk in a room and find that person laying on the floor and the other person is beating on their chest forcefully causing deep bruising. Well, I think any of us would go, well, that's abusive, right? Well, it would be unless the person laying on the floor has just had a heart attack and the person beating on their chest is actually administering CPR. So in that case, it's actually an accurate diagnosis of a heart attack. And the person who is beating on the chest is actually saving their life and giving life-giving treatment. And so I guess uh, the first point, and then I'll throw it over to you, Natasha, that I would like to make is that original sin is really only toxic and abusive if it's not true. Right. If original sin isn't the accurate diagnosis, well, then it would be abusive to put somebody down and make them think wrong things and false things about themselves. But if it is true, then it's not abusive. It's actually life giving to give the proper diagnosis and also uh, to give the cure. 
Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. That is the heart of it. Is it true or is it not true? And she she gives no consideration. Like you said, this is a very short clip. And so she's not going to, but that's the heart of the matter. She's not considering the difference between a human being telling you there's a problem with yourself and you have to depend on them and God telling you that. Because if God exists and he has revealed what's true about humanity and our relationship to him in the Bible, that's in a whole other category. And we have to take into account the fact that ironically, given that she doesn't like the idea of original sin and sin nature, we have to take into account that a human being who is saying these things in an abusive relationship, as she's saying, is going to have the potential of having harmful motives. Mm. But if it's God who is saying this, a perfect God, as the Bible claims, then God cannot be harmful in his motives. What God wants is for us to have an accurate understanding of ourselves, because it's only then that we know how to respond. So just like you're saying, Elise, it gets down to a question of, is it true about us or is it not? Right. No, that's good. And also, I just wanted to point out also that she said in the video that, you know, they'll tell you you're worthless. And actually, it as a point of clarity, original sin does actually not teach that humans are worthless. In fact, one of the most primary doctrines of the Bible is what is called Imago Dei, and that's that every human being that's ever been born was made in the image and likeness of God. And because of that, there is inherent value and there's inherent worth. But having inherent worth doesn't make you worthy of a particular thing, right? So we, we are... We need the salvation of Jesus. We need his sacrifice on the cross. But, you know, it's it's so there's a little bit of a misunderstanding of what original sin actually teaches in and of itself. But I love that you brought up the motives because there is this assumed motive of the church that the only possible reason that the church would teach this is because they're trying to control somebody or prop up some kind of institution of power or make you so afraid that you will believe and stay in the fold um, because they're trying to control you with fear or something. Yeah. I I have to go back really fast though, to what you said about the worthlessness and and conflating that with sin, because I think that's such an important point in this. And I've seen this so often on social media too, that if the Bible teaches that we are uh, sinful, then that also means that we're worthless. And, you know, I dug into some of uh, this person who we listened to the TikTok from some of her other media that she has on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she identifies as an atheist slash agnostic. And I just had to think she's very concerned about people feeling worthless. But if you're an atheist and all we are is just molecules in motion, just physical parts put together, we actually have no inherent value. We mm-hmm. actually have no inherent worth. So it's sort of a great irony that she's concerned about anyone feeling like they don't have worth, but yet in her own worldview, mm. there is no objective basis for believing that there is value or worth beyond your physical parts. And so I just thought yeah. that was a, an interesting comparison to, to what she was saying there. So yeah, that conflation between the sinfulness and the worthlessness is a really common one, I think, that we see. Because it's really interesting that instead of saying, here's what the Bible teaches, she says, you know, if you go to a church, that teaches, or if the church teaches, I guess she said. Mm -hmm. And so she's not considering what's the source of that. It's just, this must be a power grab if -hmm. this is something that you're hearing. So you need to go find another church. Basically, that's going to tell you what you want to hear. 
Yeah. Well, and this is probably a good place to bring in the philosophical underpinnings of the deconstruction movement, because as I've spent this past year researching it, it is so deeply connected with a rejection of objective truth, especially when it would come to categories of religion and morality. So if we think about it this way, if to the in the mind of the postmodern, if objective truth about morality and religion can't be known by people, then when Christians come along claiming to know what it is, specifically specifically something like you're a sinner or that hell might exist or that judgment is going to happen one day. Um, It's not that they're thinking, well, here's why I disagree with you and here are my reasons and here's how I evaluate that doctrine. The response is more going to be like, well, nobody can know these things. So why would you even be claiming to know them in the first place? And so there's like this really hyper skepticism and deep suspicion surrounding when the church, you know, teaches something like that. And as you said, truth claims are viewed as power grabs, because again, this isn't, as we kind of mentioned in the beginning, this isn't so much that in deconstruction, people are assessing truth claims based on if whether or not they reflect reality or God's revealed word, but whether or not they're good, helpful, leading me personally to wholeness according to my own judgment. And so like if it if it feels good to me. And so it's like it's just seen as the church trying to protect its power. That is a really interesting background to this. And I think that it might give everyone kind of a, a way of filtering through when they hear these types of claims of knowing where somebody is coming from, even just from the wording that they use. If they're talking about, you know, the Bible teaches this or that versus the church says this or that, it almost is like a little clue toward where they're getting their thought patterns, right? If, yeah. if they're talking about if the church teaches this, any kind of that language around the church usually is about a power claim and thinking that, well, churches have no right to tell you anything. And so it's more along that vein, whereas if somebody is talking about the Bible and criticizing what the Bible teaches, that's more of a question about biblical reliability. So these are just little clues in the language that sometimes we can overlook in conversations, but that kind of give you a better idea of where a person's coming from. And they can be from two totally different paths where you're talking, whether you're talking about biblical reliability versus church power structures, critical theory, postmodernism. Yeah, and I think that's why it's important when we look at videos like this or we engage with material like this to remember, and we've said this, you know, we we always say this in apologetics, that you want to address the question behind the question. You want to address the questioner even more than the question, because somebody could be asking a question about hell or judgment or original sin, and they might just be asking, you know, actually a theological question. I mean, is this really what the Bible teaches? Is this something we should be affirming? But there also could be a wound that's underneath the question. Maybe they were taught a really skewed version of that doctrine, and maybe they think when you're talking about original sin or you're talking about judgment, you're talking about some sort of um, warped view of that that they were given that really isn't biblically accurate. So that's even going back to um, just making sure that you're both talking about the same thing, I think can be really important. But also just kind of back to that tip of the week that I gave earlier, when somebody is in this type of deconstruction, it's just really important to listen. It's really important to realize that there's usually a wound. There's usually something they're seeing in that doctrine that they think is actually oppressive and abusive. And so it's, you're, you're looking at more than just a back and forth debate. This, this is like, like you got to really figure out and do some diagnosis of where this is coming from and why they're even asking the question in the first place. I think that's such a great way to wrap up today. And also one other just quick tip before we end is that 
one of the things that you notice a lot of times is that the very thing that someone is critiquing is something that they're also claiming to be true in another way. So notice that she's really opposed to the idea of original sin, that we could all have this sin nature. But at the same time, she is assuming that people can act in some objectively bad ways. I think that she Mm -hmm. would assume that we would all agree with her that abuse is bad, that if someone is trying to break down your self-esteem, as she's saying, so that you will have to depend on them, that's a bad thing. She's appealing to all of us knowing that that's a bad thing. That implies an objective morality, that there are are things that are right and wrong for all people. So she is assuming the existence of sin and objective moral standards, but then she doesn't like being told that, well, we have a sinful nature to begin with. So sometimes when you see those kinds of things going on in the same conversation, that's another way that you can just ask better questions of someone to ask, well, do you believe that sin is a real thing? Can someone be sinful? If someone is abusive, does that mean that they are sinning? Just to kind of understand where they're coming from on that. And sometimes that can help to tease out some of the conflicting logic that you can see in some of these cases. That's good. Well, thanks for listening today. I hope that you guys have found this helpful. And don't forget to subscribe to our individual podcasts, the Natasha Crane podcast and the Elisa Childers podcast for more long form episodes where we go deeper into topics just like these. For now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on that, as Psalm 61 puts it, is our rock and salvation, our fortress where we will never be shaken. (laughs) 